0: Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople, today is my great pleasure to welcome Carrie Lazurchak to the show. Welcome, Carrie.
1: Thank you. Nice to be here.
0: Carrie is the Chief Revenue Officer at SimilarWeb. They are a market intelligence platform that helps companies track their consumer trends across digital channels, and it helps them benchmark and also acquire customers. In particular, we'll talk about a little bit about mentorship. We'll talk about growth planning. We'll talk about culture. we got a lot of fun stuff to chat about. Kerry, just to get to know you a little better, I'm going to ask you a question that I I often ask others, which is, what are your main go-to methods for learning, for keeping the, the saw sharp, as it were?
1: For me, most of the learning that I do today is really from the people that I surround myself with. So the people that I work with, clients learning from their business perspectives and the things that they're doing, as well as just recommendations that they make on things that they've learned themselves. I would also say just really understanding that you never stop learning. So always being open to learning is really, really important and recognizing to constantly ask yourself, like, where do you want to focus and double down on on just continuous improvement is really helpful from a conscious perspective. The other area where I learn, and I think a lot of people learn right now is is spending a lot more time with my kids. I learn a lot from them.
0: I can relate because I actually use my kids as sounding boards for ideas. They seem to be more impartial. What are some examples of how you learn from them?
1: So I have kids ranging from 11 to 24. I'm in the mode like many of us right now kind of partially homeschooling through virtual learning with my youngest. So I'm back to basic 101 math and science, which honestly going back to some of the very basics does help you do a little bit of reset, but it's also nice to just get a fresh perspective on things. So, you know, sometimes I'll see con- like our data with the company I work for, it looks at all different kinds of consumer trends. So sometimes I ask my kids, I'm like, Hey, I noticed through our data that there's a lot more activity around a certain type of new consumer product, for example. And I just, you know, I lean into them to give some perspective of what, how they think about what's going on in the market today. And and it does help me be a little more relatable, I think, to our clients and some of the things that they're trying to achieve.
0: You know, I'm a big fan of lifelong learning and I've looked at some stats on the massively open online courses, the MOOCs, and only three to 5% of people tend to actually complete those. As diligent and disciplined as I think I am, I struggle sometimes to complete those courses. What's one of the more recent courses you took and completed?
1: From a platform perspective on ongoing education, specifically, I'm an alumni at Johns Hopkins University, so I, I tend to lean in a lot to their programs. One because I just found when I was formally in classes with them, the format really worked for me as a working person. Like they do work really hard to accommodate the fact that you know people can't spend as much time towards continuing education when it's what they do as a full-time job. One of the classes I recently took to them was was really around management of technology. As someone that has more of a technical bent, I, I lean in on technology. I, I am just personally very interested in technology. I actually have a master's degree in information systems. So I found that what I was seeking was to really try to understand the current mindset of the technology buyer right my customers and the people that often buy my solutions today i really wanted to understand how they think about you know the management of technology and the assets that they're buying and that was a great opportunity for me to just you know do a session that's really designed as an in-person six week two hours a week kind of thing that i can do in a very short period of time and and i find those opportunities to be very effective
0: what was the you know one of the last podcasts you listened to that you enjoyed
1: one of the more recent ones I did was by a guy named Andrew Helm. It was really around like management and challenging times. It was that he 's based internationally, I think at so a Singapore the Southeast Asia market area and It was really interesting for me, one because it leaned in a little more to the dynamics in that particular market and as a global leader, I think it's, it is really important that you spend the time understanding the specific dynamics in the markets that you 're in podcast is actually a great way. It's a big platform. Sometimes the language can be a challenge. So you have to kind of look in a little deeper. But for the most part, I find them very effective.
0: I guess on the concept of learning, that's a good segue, I think, into talking about mentorship. And and I know that this is a a topic you're passionate about. Who was one of the first mentors of yours that that inspired you to, to then pay that forward?
1: So I think my first mentor in life was my father, who just is an incredible person. When I was very, very young, he, he was somebody putting himself through school, working two jobs. He retired as a police officer, actually but had many jobs, studied history, was one of his major um, educational, personal development areas. But I would say early in life, he was probably my first true mentor. From a professional standpoint, the mentor that sticks out the most to me is actually a guy named Steve Chambers. He was uh, someone that I worked for for about 15 years. He actually was a client of mine at one stage in my career, and I ended up going to work for him. And he became a very close personal friend and a professional mentor of mine. And what I found from mentorships is I tend to lean into people who just have the characteristics that I want to aspire to. So, you know, I have been mentored, I would say, by people that have characteristics that I don't want to aspire to. And by the way, it's also good to get that perspective quite frankly, because you learn from those people, the things that you don't want to do. But Steve was definitely probably my most, you know, the one that sticks out for me the most because he had this amazing balance of very high business acumen, but compassion and humility at the same time. So I just found that what he brought to the table, which was a real art in being able to be a humanitarian leader, but super inspirational. And, you know, you tend to see in in the market a lot of leaders that aren't very nice people. (laughs) So I, I personally was seeking somebody that just had, you know, characteristics that were more in the leadership area that I personally wanted to be in.
0: Yeah, I don't always remember all the epiphanies and the gifts that mentors gave to me. I'm curious if you remember like a specific thing that you were challenged with that, he helped you overcome. And while you think of that, I'll just share one of my own experiences or, or part of my own experience, which is, you know, when I was younger, I had a single mom. My father passed away when I was younger. And when I went off to college, you know, I went off to an Ivy League school where that wasn't sort of my background. I mean, I, I'm not going to tell you some sob story that I grew up on the other side of the tracks. My mom was a, an elementary school teacher, so I had access to education and a wonderful mom. But anyway, when I got to college, there were all these kind of affluent kids who had these incredible networks and they could go to their parents and they could go to their parents' friends for advice. I felt like I had this big gap in my life. I had a chip on my shoulder about it for quite some time until my mom finally remarried. And she remarried this uh, wonderful person who was a senior executive in the defense contracting industry. He retired and decided to sail around the world. And he was in Miami, had parked his boat And his dog ran away from him. My mom, the dog ran up to my mom and like the rest is history. You know, he became like, you know, in many ways, my father. And one time I was in a company and I had a coworker who was really, really stressing me out. I felt this coworker, I try not to be paranoid. I'm pretty calm, but I thought this coworker was like really out to get me. And my, my stepfather went to him and he said, like, the best thing to do is just like, put your head down, do your work. And eventually that individual will like get himself in trouble. Don't react, you know, don't, don't react to it. You obviously want to defend yourself and be careful, but don't react. And sure enough, he was right. I mean, it took a little while, six to nine months or something. That was the first of many, 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 many like insights that he was able to help me with. What's like a challenge you were struggling with that a mentor was able to guide you through?
1: It's not always like the biggest things that make the difference like sometimes it's just the little tweaks but I'd say one area of my career that and that I find for most people as they advance in their career, especially if you're going down the path of management of people is that movement from people being your peers to you being their boss you know which is a very hard transition what he did for me that I learned from is There was a point in my career where he wanted to move me up from a career progression but knowing that in doing that there were other people at my level that would also want that role and so what he did was give me like a six-month success plan okay where he said look to have success in this move you need to earn the right now you need to demonstrate the leadership now while you're the peer of these people before you become their boss right to because then the transition to actually formally being their boss is a lot easier to do. And he was a hundred percent right. Okay. So like just doing little things like taking on the lead on a special project or proactively setting up time to share like success stories with your peers or being in charge of like a weekly meeting, for example, that, you know what I mean? Sharing something like, like the little things that you can set up people that work for you to be more successful in that transition. I learned a lot from that experience. And it's worked really well for me with people that have worked for me.
0: As you progressed, you know, through your career, and someone mentioned this, another CRO mentioned this to me recently, is like, you get to the point where you're almost embarrassed to ask people that used to work with you or that work for you for advice on certain critical decisions and ideas, because you want to appear to have the answers. This person was lamenting the fact that the higher they got, the fewer advisors they had available to them. Has that been your experience or you approach things differently?
1: Honestly, that's not been my experience. Like like I actually find like the higher I get, to be honest, I feel like the audience of where I can learn is bigger. (laughs) For example, for me today, like I have, regular sessions, one-to-one sessions with every manager in my organization, which is a lot, you know, so it's like every six to eight weeks and it's 30 minutes and it has nothing to do with their job. Okay. Literally. It's like, I don't care whether you're making your numbers or whatever. It's really like, what do they see in the business? talking to them just about kind of their own ambitions and where they want to go. And and in aggregate, when you start to like accumulate that in aggregation, you find common themes, things that like you could go do better. I also ask just, proactively ask for feedback about myself because honestly like the one thing that you do learn when you grow up in an organization is people are going to give you less feedback okay because you have a big title and you have a big job and they don't know what kind of influence so unless you more proactively go ask for it you're not going to get it to be honest
0: what what's the number one thing you're working on right now
1: The biggest thing I'm working on right now is growth, really how to provide clarity on growth paths within our organization. The thing that I have found in moving through the generational transition of the workforce is You know, in some ways, it's a little bit 1950s, to be honest. Okay. Meaning, you know, in the 1950s, it was very clear like you took a job at IBM and this was your career path over the next 10 years. Okay. And by the way, people did it, stayed for 30 years. Then there was the generation where it was like, I don't want any plan. I just want to kind of feel it out, do what I want. What I'm finding in the younger generation right now is, They want to know what the path looks like. Now, whether they stick with it or not will be a different situation, okay? But they want to know when they take a job that... Look, you know, especially at entry level roles, like they want to know that I'm going to invest and double down for the next 18 months, for example. And it's really clear that at the end of that 18 months, I have these options. But we're spending a lot of time focusing on that because having very good clarity to the growth opportunity is meaningful to the organization. Our definition of growth path is very broad. It's not like you come in as a, you know, entry level salesperson and your path is through sales. Like we literally say, like you come in as a salesperson and by the way, you could do product management. You could do accounting if you want to, but giving them the feel that they can learn a lot fast. And if they do the job that they've been hired to do, they have a lot of opportunity is really important. I think today's generation, because their aptitude to learn is so fast, their ability to consume technology and knowledge is so fast that you either lean into the dynamics of all that because they do want to change jobs a lot, which is hard for an organization. They do want to have constant learning at a very high level. Do you either lean in to give them those things or you try to fight it? And I just, I think in the end, like leaning into it more is going to be more successful.
0: You mentioned that you do one-on-ones with every manager, I would presume first-line manager. So you're doing skip-level meetings routinely. You're not the first CRO I've talked to who does that. And I'm fascinated. When did you start that practice of skip-level meetings and what rules do you have in place?
1: On a skip-level meeting, I'm not talking to them about their tactics of their job. Like, There's no conversation that's like about their day-to-day tasks. It's more about... As an executive leader in the company, I want a field level, a bottoms up view of their observation in the business. How's the communication working? What is working and not working? Where are their spans of influence? Where's the support there? And then also just talking to them about their own personal, you know, objectives. Like how are they thinking about their career advancement? Right? Like where are they getting mentorship in the organization today? Where are they doubling down to invest? And then giving them some tactical tips on how to like just support that, et cetera. So I have an open calendar. Everybody in the organization can see my calendar. Anybody can schedule time with me. And if I'm available, I'm going to take the call, but they should know, like everybody will know that they're also talking to me. Transparency, I think is huge. I purposely don't make those meetings about the tactical side of their job. Um, And if something comes up around that I, I lean into, well, have you spoken to you know, your boss about that and and what's the feedback that you're getting and maybe give them some advice on how to go have that conversation more effectively, but I don't actually give them an answer.
0: In terms of personal deal involvement, do you get involved these days and what scale of deal, what complexity, how do you engage?
1: I don't have a model that says, like, I'm only going to get involved in a deal of a certain value. So, yes, I absolutely get involved in deals. I tend to get involved in deals in three areas. One is relationship value, meaning the contact on the other side is a senior executive contact and they're seeking some executive alignment. So sometimes it's purely a relationship value. The second area is more complex, non-standard types of negotiations, right, where it's more commercial complexity. And then obviously when there's a conflict, if there is some level of conflict, you know, there may be an escalation that I'll need to get involved in. Today's world is a hard time. Like we span the individual business consumer all the way to the Fortune 100 companies, right? And we have segments of the market where companies are really struggling, right? Our smallest... SMB customers are really struggling. So we have a lot of non-standard things happening, companies that are, you know, really going out of business or really struggling or merging with other companies or, so those things that are just not normal cadence kinds of operations, I will get more involved in those right now.
0: We only have a minute or two left. So I wanted to bring it full circle back to mentorship because you've added so much wisdom on that. And I wonder if you have any advice for people who are actually seeking mentors,
1: there's a difference between there's somebody that I just want to get advice from on hard situations. Okay. That's not mentorship. Mentorship in my mind is a programmatic thing. Okay. Meaning you have in your thought process, a longer term engagement assumption. And personally, you have to first invest in the time to understand like what it is you want to be mentored around. Right. So meaning do you have clarity of growth? pathing that you want to do. And therefore you want to lean into a mentor that's, that has that experience level that can bring to you. Is it purely personal development oriented? In which case you kind of figure out like step one is like, figure out, let's define my own strengths and weaknesses and figure out a format to do that. And then lean into a partnership. I mean, I think that what I find today is one, first look in your personal community, so friends, family, et cetera, and then go into the conversation with an expectation that it's a multi-iterative life cycle and not just like a random calls whenever. It's like over oh, the next two months, I'd love to just like spend time and whatever. And then, you know, my experience with mentorship is you do have kind of a little bit of formality and then the ongoing relationship can be much more fluid, right? But upfront, you do have to have a little more formality. And then I would say like looking inward in the companies that you people work for, like most companies do have some type, even if it's informal way to engage in some type of mentorship. Not everybody is a great mentor. They may be good at answering questions, but it doesn't necessarily mean like they have the skill set around what is really mentorship. You know, you have to define that as a formal relationship you want to make sure the other person can and wants to execute that on the other side. It's
0: great advice. And I think that's a super way that, to end. So Carrie, thank you so much for your generous wisdom and time. And uh, I guess if people want to check out web, they can go to your website. And if they want to find out more about you, I don't know if you welcome LinkedIn connections or not, but.
1: Absolutely on LinkedIn. I welcome LinkedIn connections. Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure getting to know you and, and having an opportunity to speak to you today.
0: Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.